Hey Doctor Who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name is Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 321. Yeah. One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different too. Anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now. For this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour, and the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be... The great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Hey, 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 Who fans, welcome back to another week. It's good to have you here. This is episode 321. I hope you're keeping safe and healthy. I hope you've had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who... Doctor Who... Related. <laughs> related. I hope you've done something Doctor Who related. Indeedy. No news this week. Yeah. It's becoming the norm rather than the exception. Years ago, we had news coming out of our... Ears. <laughs> we had loads to talk about. It felt like going back a few years. In fact, there were—I don't know—there was there was a, a, a moment of a couple of years solidly back in probably twenty sixteen ish, where Adam and I used to sit there and say, "Right, well, we've got too much news. We're going to have to cut something out. We can't just yeah, talk about know, yeah. news for an hour and then do merch for an hour." That's two hours already, and then do a review on top of that. We had, we had too much. We had to prioritise the news and stuff. But these days, I'm, I'm sure it will pick up. I'm sure as we get into later on in the year, when we get into uh, series thirteen and onwards with the specials next year and all the hoo ha around to the showrunner and new Doctor and stuff, I'm sure it will pick up. But mm. yeah, it's still very quiet out on the the Doctor Who landscapeage. It is. Mm. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, I would be pleased. I mean, I. Uh, not so worried about the new series, but I'd love I'd love to have a, a new Blu-ray announced. That's that seems like that's overdue. The next Blu-ray set. You know, the classic seasons. Yeah. Do you reckon we've got one coming this year? I was hoping we would. Um I mean another I know, one this year. Like yeah. towards the end, yeah. Yeah, I was hoping so. Um because things seem to be sort of 
you know, the cogs seem to be turning. Chris Chapman's been tweeting that he's been making new documentaries and things. So we know stuff's going on. Uh, I guess it's just um, how quickly they can turn them around to get them out. But I would hope we'd get another one this year. But I, I just thought by now, we because the last set, um, what was it, season 24, mm. uh, come out, didn't it, months or so back. And um, normally when the when's one's released, we at least know what the next one's going to be. So, yeah, I don't know. Just well, just hoping that we get an announcement for one soon. Need something to look times. forward to. Yeah, yeah we do. I reckon it's going to be around Christmas time. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's going to be right at the end of the year or something like that, isn't it? I think so, because we're coming up to the end of August now. Even if they were to announce it tomorrow, for example, that's still cutting it quite fine mm. to get it out for the end of the year. So we hopefully yeah. get an announcement by the end of the year. And then by March, April time next year, we should get that whatever box set that happens to be. Mm. Yeah. And I read you though, dude. It would be nice to have something on the horizon. I, I reckon the the BBC are planning a, a a black and white one because they're definitely trying to. They seem to have stepped up a gear. They're definitely trying to fill those gaps, aren't they? The missing stories, so they're, they're animating a lot uh, recently. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, they're definitely trying to fill those gaps so they can get those box sets out, um, which is quite promising. I'd love to see one of the early Doctors get a, get a set release, like you know, Hartnell or Troughton would be fantastic. That would be amazing. Got yeah. a set from one yeah. of them. I really look forward to the day that happens. Yeah, custom mm. cover as well exclusive limited edition cover in black and white mm. oh yeah that'd be nice i hadn't thought of that yeah they could do that yeah spine could be in color as the other ones to match the other ones because on the shelf you wouldn't want it to look out of place from the from the spine but the cover have a limited edition one i know people will go nuts for it and it will cause uh... <laughs> a limited edition of the limited edition yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that'd be amazing but yeah there's only 10 available can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> Wowzers. Exclusive to B and M. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you have More to go trucking around the country. Some... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, mate! Uh, actually, what... it's a it's a weird thing. I think um, some other shops have started to do some sci-fi collectible merch. You know, what? It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's it's strange. The other podcast that I do, the Star Wars one, we were talking on there last week about there's a, a high street store in the UK called Sports Direct. You know the one I'm talking about. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they started selling Star Wars collectibles. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can get... It's a bit random, isn't it? Yeah, you can get Star Wars, uh, the Black Series figures. You can get toys. You can get some of the more expensive uh, figures as well. Some other collectible bits and merch. Very strange. Maybe that's a window. There. Maybe the BBC are missing a trick. Get into mm. the sports shops. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. Keep keep your eye out for an, an Imperial Probe droid for me, will you? Uh, you know the is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. The one that's in Empire with all the legs looks like a sort of spider. <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it? In, what is that? What it's called? Probe droid. You're bang um, on. Yeah. So. Yeah, I want the Black Series one of those. It's really weird. I've noticed with merch. I don't know if this is a, a COVID thing where factories are still struggling and stock seems to be disappearing really quick. But I've noticed with so much merch recently that if you don't get it fairly quick, and I'm not just talking about ridiculous B&M stuff where you have to rush to the store to beat the scalpers. I'm talking just even ordering online. If you don't get it pretty quick, it seems to vanish. So that Star Wars probe droid, right? It's a Black Series. So, oh, no rush to get that. But I would like one. I'll... I'll just put it in my wish list, and at some point I'll get it. I think it was like 30 quid, so I was like, you know, it's, 
yeah, it's a bit pricey, but I'll get one when I'm when I'm feeling flush. And uh, yeah, I'm going through my Forbidden Planet wish list yesterday, and I'm not joking. Nearly everything I'd got in there was saying currently unavailable or discontinued, or and I'm like, and these aren't old things. These are just things I've probably added this year. And I'm like, I, I'm bad anyway at buying stuff. I buy stuff all the time. I'm just ridiculous. I've got no self constraint at all. So you know, if there is stuff that I've put it in there and I've I've been good and thought, no, oh, I'll wait till you know get paid at the end of the month or whatever. I'll just take it easy. I've started to panic now because so much stuff that I've sort of had my eye on, I can't get. And then you have to resort to like eBay and stuff like that. But but that's a prime example. That little pro droid, I only put him in probably a couple of months ago. Thought, yeah, I'll get him at some point. Can't get him now. He's on eBay for like ninety quid. I'm like, nope, not paying that. No way. Limited stock. Ah, but I, I don't even think these aren't even limited editions. I, I wonder if it's a production thing. Like, there's loads of He-Man figures that I'd got in my wish list because I love He-Man. Not the new series; I haven't seen it. But, um, <laughs> and uh, again, they're not limited editions or anything like that. I guess it's just a production problem because they're all they're all coming up unavailable now. Yeah, you know? that's what I mean. Not limited editions, but just yeah. the stock volume is clearly not as big as it used. I mean, we can't blame Brexit <laughs> anymore. That's been and gone. So yeah, we can't blame Brexit. No. Must be something else then. Yeah, let's yeah. blame COVID. Yeah. COVID gear on him. Strange. Very strange. Strange. You've been up to anything who wise, dude? You had a quiet one. Uh, well, just going back to the animation stuff actually. Um I I watched the I got the new special edition of Web of Fear. Um <laughs> which uh has been so obviously this edition they've animated episode 3. It's a new brand new animation, you know. And I thought oh, that's cool because I can't deal with telesnaps. I find them really I just can't, they don't hold my concentration. So I thought, oh, that's nice. We'll get an animated episode three. That's better than nothing. Well, it's been slated, isn't it? I mean, if you seen Twitter, it hadn't even been released and somebody had got theirs early from somewhere other, Zavi or Amazon. And um, they were saying, oh, the animation's terrible. And they were posting pictures of people. Oh, this is the worst. We must boycott it. And I was thinking, oh, no. You know, is, is the animation really bad then? So anyway, I put it on on Monday. My copy arrived on Monday, and I was preparing myself for this abomination that <laughs> must be must be uh, you know boycotted at all costs to show the BBC we won't put up with this standard of thing. And I'm like, okay, the, the faces are scary. I get it. <laughs> the faces look weird, but it's like 3D animation, and at least it's got some blimmin' movement in it. And I I honestly can't. I, well, it, it's not great. I'm not going to say oh. It's amazing, but it's certainly not as bad as everyone's like. I, I, let's put it this way. I found it perfectly watchable. Like, you know, people are, the, the people are saying the Yetis look absolutely terrible. Yeah, they look a bit <laughs> cartoonish. They don't look very good, but it kind of does the job. Whereas I think Fury, was it Fury from the Deep, which came out last, the sort of 2D, mm. I, I couldn't even finish that. I just found it so static and the way they move like cardboard cars I, I honestly found it such a hard watch um so yeah i don't know i i, I get why people are saying it's not great because it isn't great the what new web but it's certainly not bad and i and i found it a lot easier to sit through and watch than say telly snaps or even like the last animation we got which was 2d so i think people have been a bit ott there i also think it's like i i think a lot of people on twitter as well that have jumped on this bandwagon i was, I was saying i don't think half of them have actually watched it they've seen a picture from it and said oh it's terrible 
It's absolutely terrible. I've seen that. I've seen that screen grab. Oh, I won't be buying that. And you know, I'm thinking, yeah, but watch it as a whole and uh, and see. But yeah, so I, I've got to say, I don't think it's that bad. But also, the episodes look amazing. They've given them a, a fresh clean up. Um, so it's obviously the first time we've got to see Web of Fear on Blu-ray. It gives us an idea of what it'll be like when it comes out as a you know season box set. And it looks honestly, it looks really good. They've they've really sort of cleaned it up, and um, it looked very sharp. And I think black and white just looks great on Blu-ray anyway, because it's it just looks quite sharp as a picture, doesn't it? Black and white. Can so uh, yeah. yeah yeah. So I, I watched the Web of Fear again, and I and I really enjoyed it. It's a great story that is. It does <laughs> sag a little bit in the middle, but. Um, but it's a good story, and I thought the animation was all right. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? It's a really good story. Yeah, yeah. I haven't got, I haven't picked up the newer one. I've got the original. I was going to say, I was hoping, yeah. I was hoping you'd have watched it because I wanted to see what you thought of the animation. Um, well, I've seen it on YouTube. <laughs> I've seen some of the animation on YouTube. Yeah, and it wasn't as awful. bad as no. I mean, like you were saying, it's people had hyped it up to be this uh, franchise breaking. <laughs> Mm. Um, you know boycott doctor who abomination like you were saying mm. but i don't know what they're watching but it's absolutely watchable it's not is it the best I, one that they've done no oh god no. no no you can tell it's early days i mean you it does feel like a test like unfinished you know you, i the, the best way i can describe it is it feels like there's potential there like they could definitely use that as a template and if they massively improved it, it would be amazing um, but it's certainly not not dreadful, and I feel really sorry for the guys who have done it because, and um, I've said this when we review stuff. You know, it's difficult because you want to give an honest opinion on something, but you're also aware that whoever created that thing, I'm thinking of class now. Uh, you know, you're obviously aware that the you know Patchiness and the, the guys who made it had a lot of passion for it, so you got to try and find a balance. But you, you know, with this, it's the same thing. I there's a little. Uh, making of on there and the guy who's sort of done the animation and he's so like pleased to have been given the job he's so enthusiastic and you watch that little sort of five minute making of and um he's got actors in to do movement to try and make it come alive and you're like this guy's really tried hard and he was probably given like a few months to do it um and told to get on with it we need it by this date and that's probably the best he could do in the time but it's just so sad because he's so full of enthusiasm, and I'm thinking, please don't look at, please don't go online, because it would, it would destroy you, wouldn't it? Imagine putting all that yeah. love and and thing into something, and thinking, oh, I hope they like it. I think he actually, I think he actually says that on the thing. He's like, oh, I hope the fans really enjoy it. Um, we've certainly had a blast making it, or something like that. And I'm thinking, oh dear. <laughs> he goes online and sees the comments because it's you know, fake Doctor Who Facebook page, the Twitter page. Um, even Instagram, every time they posted a clip of it, like the comments are so harsh. Yeah, you know, it's not. It's, it's not. I can't understand it myself. It really doesn't look that bad at all. It's a bit, like I said, it's not the best release they've done. It's not the, it's not the, there are a couple of them that look really good, but it's certainly not, you wouldn't turn it off anyway. You wouldn't be sort of five minutes in and think, oh, this is unwatchable. It's terrible. Well, I was expecting that because I've seen people saying it. I've actually seen people say that, that it's unwatchable. No, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I've just, believe me, I, I don't have the best attention span and I was quite happy to sit sit there through it. So anyway, yeah, so I watched the new Web of Fear. Glory, lovely new cover by Lean Binding as well. He's done a great job on that. I think it's Lean Binding anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. sure it is. Um, but I haven't really done much else, really. Um, I just got to ask you, did you see this new, did you see the new promo pic that was released of uh, of our new TARDIS team? 
against some graffitied wall. Did you see this? Yeah. What did you think? Because people are loving that. Oh, my word. The uh, amount of, um, yeah, there's a lot of people liking it. Um, it's okay. I just... It's... um. It, to me, does it, when you look at that promo pit, does it scream quality science fiction program to you or does it say something like CBB's coming this autumn? Are you referring to the picture of... Yes, the against... doctor and and uh, what's his face, and they're against, and they, it's just a grey wall. That's all it is. Is that the one you're talking about? No, no, no. Yeah. It's them against. The, so it's a wall, a graffitied wall. It just got released the other day by the BBC. It's them against a wall of graffiti, and it's got a couple of hidden things because there's this. Uh, oh there's yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got it. I've got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's this quest going on, isn't there? About uh, trying to find all these clues to to enter into the BBC website or something uh, so it's got a clue on there as well no i mean to let me be to be fair there's nothing actually wrong with the actual picture itself but it's just that for me personally i look at it and i'm like so this is doctor this is where doctor who is at the moment have you have you got it have you got i've it got it front? now yeah yeah it just looks like a sort of kids program aimed at like five to ten year olds to me it's all bright and garish and I don't know. But like I said, I'm probably in the minority because a lot of people are loving it. They're, they're like, oh, new picture. It's fantastic. Oh, I can't wait for them to hit the screens. But me, my just heart sank a little bit. It just doesn't say Doctor Who to me mm, at all. It mm-hmm. just looks, oh. But it's as I said, as a promo pick for anything else, if this is a promo pick for some new Russell T. Davis drama, I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, that looks fun. It's full of colours and rainbows and whatever. Hey, this looks like it's going to be... But, but it just... I look at it, I just think, that's not Doctor Who. You know? It just It's not science fiction, is it? it well, it, it definitely has a... It has a CBBC vibe to it, definitely. That's Yeah, definitely. It yeah. does, yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a grumpy old so-and-so, but I just... Yeah, yeah I, it's got a fun factor to it. Other than Yaz, she's looking very... um. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because you've got yeah. the other two look like they're just doing a, they're not in character. So you've got Jodie and John Bishop just smiling for the camera and it's like a sort of almost a a fun, um, you know, out of character shot. But then you've got Yaz in the background looking really serious, like she's totally in the zone, totally in character. It's weird. <laughs> not sure weird what's going that. on. Yeah. What's that trying to tell us? Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Who knows? But yeah, it's not, a, yeah. It certainly has got a young, it, it definitely, it absolutely feels like yes, a CBBC. Yes, you've been a bit young. I've, that's it. I'm obviously just getting old. I'm obviously just getting grumpy. It's just a young vibe, isn't it? It's a yeah. young, cool, hip vibe that I'm just <laughs> not on board with. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah. That's ah, all right. It's all right. Get it on your wall. Get the poster on your wall. To be honest, it doesn't look to me like an official, an official image that they've released for it. No. Uh, it looks to me, it's just a fun little behind the scenes. It looks to me like yeah. they were setting up shot and said, oh, look, that's a, that's a funky, cool, colourful wall of graffiti. Let's go have a quick couple of photos over there. Yeah, it kind of looks like a, yeah, in-between shot. It's not a publicity shot, is it? No. no. Hmm. It's not bad, though. It's, a, it's in stark contrast to the other image that they put out a couple of weeks ago. With those three just in that concrete room somewhere. That Actually, looks very serious and stern. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So you've been up to much, dude? Obviously not been watching Web of Fear, but have you been up to doing anything else? Uh, I have watched a bit of Classic Who, actually. it was. Um, I was chatting to a couple of people in the Discord last week. 
Oh, yes. About, I, I just put a, a note in there to say, what's, what are people up to and doing anything Doctor Who related at the weekend? And uh, a bunch of people were putting stuff that they were going to watch or rewatch and stuff. And it got me thinking that I haven't watched any, I know that uh, it's spoilers for uh, later on in the show when we announce our next review story, but I haven't watched any Davison in so long, you know. Oh, me either, I don't think, no. I think he's mm. the Doctor that I've not watched, like the biggest gap has gone past. Uh, of any of the doctors really so i thought yeah i'm going to stick on some davison at the weekend because um i had a fairly quiet weekend i was um i was out on about for some of it but the rest of the time uh yeah i didn't have too much on so i ended up putting some davison on which was really good actually i've really missed um do your dave's impression uh, hello, I, hello there uh, hello there yeah. mustache i must yeah uh, so I, I stuck black orchid on so i watched two i stuck black orchid on which is not too bad it's only a two-parter i like black orchid yeah yeah and then uh followed i just went straight into Earthshock, which is the next story uh which is a big favorite of ours so mm, uh, a bit of uh, eric saywood so that was really cool it was really <laughs> honestly mate it was one of those times where i thought i i guess if you watch davison regularly you might get a bit bored of it after a little while dare i say it you might get a bit bored mm-hmm. after a little while but because i haven't watched it for so long you know it was just really really cool to um because we've watched we've reviewed we'd had our tom baker month didn't we a while ago yeah a few months yeah. ago so we have and we watched that up to the end of his run so we've watched a bit of adric and and nissa and stuff already but yeah it was really nice to um and we we rated those quite highly those two stories or so earth shock we both gave a nine when we reviewed it, and then Black Orchid, I think we gave it an eight and a seven point five. Yeah. So they're two really good stories, mate, and it's um, it's a nice mix of those two stories in particular. So Black Orchid is um, I think it was one of the first kind of proper historicals, I think, uh, like true historicals, I think. Um, uh, so it was really nice to have that oldie worldie kind of thing going on. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I've no idea if it if it was or not. To be honest, I, I just think it's a nice little two-parter. I know Davison doesn't like it, does it? He's always he's on record. He's even on the commentary saying he's not a fan of that story because yeah. it's got no sci-fi in it. Um, but I've I've always thought it's a great little because I like the fact it just takes you out of Doctor Who for two episodes and then plonks you back in at the end of it. I, I think it's a cool little story. Yeah, but, it's uh, cool. Yeah, it's um, yeah. And when I say the first historical, it's like the first. I think it's the first story since, oh, back in the 60s, where it's a pure um, historical thing with no sci-fi elements. It's just all, I see what you, mean, you yeah. know, kind of historical sort of thing. And then uh, you zip over to the next story, Earthshock, which is pure 100% futuristic sci-fi. So it's a really lovely mix of um, of two types of Who stories. And yeah, just it was really cool, man. I, it's the first time I can remember in a long time where... I've I've put on some classic who and sat there and thought, bloody hell, I've missed this so much. You know, mm-hmm. I've missed. You know, uh, so yeah, that was cool, mate. So I didn't really do too much, but did bang on a couple of a uh, couple of Davison stories, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Davison gets a bit overlooked, doesn't he? Because he's um, yeah, he's he's he takes he takes a while to settle into his doctor, I think. But uh, I often enjoy putting on Davison. Is it that TARDIS team as well in it? Because you've obviously mm-hmm. got Tegan. <laughs> Adric, it's a, it's a fun time. <laughs> it's definitely brackets. a fun time, mate. Yeah, 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 definitely. It takes itself a little seriously from time to time, but you know the Doctor is a bit grumpy, isn't he? He has his little outbursts. He's a bit. Yeah. He has a little hump for about fifteen twenty seconds. He does those sort of things. Tegan drives him mad, doesn't she? Yeah, and he's um. You know, we don't need to go into this. You know, 
if you're listening to this, you probably know about Davison and Classic Who and so on. But he's very laid back in a human sense, this Doctor. Mm. So you don't really get that sense of... Uh, I guess the Davison era is very um, down-to-earth sitcom... Oh, no. What's the right way to describe this? It's weird because when Pertwee was grounded on Earth for a long time, it still felt very alien if that makes sense it still felt mm. very thing but with davison's era you could mistake him for being 100 percent human if you didn't know he was an alien you would assume he was just you know peter from down the road happens to be the the head of a anti-alien crime fighting unit <laughs> always on his way to a cricket match yeah yeah, yeah. Why, are you, def- why are you wearing your cricket gear <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely got that vibe about it like if you didn't know if you were fresh jumping into classic doctor who if this was your first run into it and you knew nothing about Doctor Who or who the Doctor was and where he's from, you would assume, I think, that he's just a, a human with these other humans doing sci-fi stuff. Yeah. So it's, yeah, a bit of a weird time, but it's fun, definitely, as you said. I do, I, do, I feel like watching a bit of Davis actually. I was going to say, I can't, you probably can't remember off the top of your head, but what do we rate um, The Awakening? Because that's another strange little two-part, isn't it? And it's, oh. it's not, it always feels like an unfinished story, Awakening, but... There are so many things about it I like that whenever I watch it, it's a real mixed bag because I always feel disappointed in it because it's never as good as I remember, but I still always really like it, if that makes sense. Yeah, we didn't rate too badly. So I gave it a 6 and a 6.5 and you gave it a 7. 7, yeah, that's about right. About right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, go and do it, dude. Go and put a bit of Davis in them. Yeah, I always reach for the same one with Davison, though. And people will probably think I'm going to say Kaiser Anzani now, but I'm not. I always reach for Resurrection of the Daleks. Um, oh, okay. I just okay. I just love that story. It's so bleak, though. It's so <laughs> bleak. Yeah. That every time I put it on, I'm thinking, now I do like this, but, man, I, I always forget how bleak it is. It's so much definite. <laughs> but uh, Davison's probably, you know, he's, in, he's got quite a dark edge to it in that one, hasn't he? Like yeah, when he's trying to yeah. gonna shoot Davros. And he's, yeah. Mm. I, I love that story, but it's not a barrel of laughs. Let's put it that way. Yeah. The Visitation's another good story. Oh, it's a cracker, yeah. It's a really good one, isn't it? That's has yeah. some fun moments in it and a funny character that you can get on board with. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good, that one. Yeah. I might watch that one this weekend, actually. Yeah. Give it a go, yeah. On a bit of a Davison roll. Anyway, we should crack on with the rest of the show, but before we get on to our review, please uh, follow us uh, on whatever podcast app you prefer your podcast on. You can listen for free. We, a new show lands every single Friday. Uh, and make sure you uh, you subscribe or it's follow these days, the terminology within within podcasting, I guess, so that you don't miss a show when it lands every week. And we are uh, we have every episode on our website as well. You can listen to or more over there as well, which is www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. And on the website, you can also link off to the various social channels. We're on uh, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Come and give us a, a like and a follow as uh, we chat Doctor Who throughout the week, and we have a free Discord server as well. Link is on the website. It takes about 32 seconds, roughly. <laughs> it's very precise to say roughly, to sign up and you can come and chat Doctor Who. All sorts of Doctor Who with uh, plenty of other cool Doctor Who fans. We have, a from day one on Discord, we had a very definite kind of mission statement, I guess, which was... Uh, absolutely 100% open and welcome to any Doctor Who fan as long as A, you're not being a dick B, you're not thrusting your opinions unnecessarily onto people in conflict of their other opinions and C, again, you're not being a dick so the the Discord server is a real safe 
open place to come and chat Doctor Who. I, I don't put up with any nonsense over there. If I see anything going on, that person's kicked and then we're back to normal service. So uh, come and hang out and chat Doctor Who <laughs> over there. And also remember to check out my co-host channel over on YouTube. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. Yeah, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, yes. Go and have a look. In fact, uh, my last video, was it my last one? One of my last ones was the actually the location. I went to the location of Black Orchid. Oh, you and, did, uh, yes. And went and rode yeah. a little miniature train. So go and have a look at that video. <laughs> <laughs> That took me so long to edit that video. <laughs> uh, Adam's also got it. loads of other location videos yeah. on his channel. Uh, a highlight going over to where they filmed the Damons. That was very cool. Yeah, that was Devil's great, End, that. yeah. That's one of my early Devil's End, yeah. It's yeah. one of my earliest vids, that. And it is, I, yeah. I still really, yeah, such a great day, that. Been there many times since. Love that place. We, we must go there together one time because I've been there a few times. You've been there a few times, but we've never been together, have we, to um, Oldbourne. Oldbourne, yeah, we must yeah. go. We should definitely do that. It's a great place, that. And vlog it. Vlog it, yeah. <laughs> Live stream it, whatever. Mm. So anyway, go and check all of that stuff out. That way you've got all of your sci-fi and Doctor Who needs covered. So continuing with the show, dude, what we got this week? Yeah, so we're back to Torchwood this week with an episode called Adrift. Jonah Bevan disappeared walking home from football practice. Why is this one so special? Something's glowing just out of the camera's lane of sight. What is it? Not spooky enough? Cardiff has an epidemic of missing persons. Oh my god. It's a hope that's killing me. He's got to be out there somewhere. I'll make it my own special project. No, leave it alone. I can't. What if the rift doesn't just leave stuff behind? What if it also takes? You're covering it up then, in the middle of the Bristol Channel. What's your mate Melda doing there? Any reason you'd be on a barge that night? Close this down. Now. Close it down. <laughs> now. Now. <laughs> while I go and pretend to whisper talk with Yanto in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Torchwood. Adrift. Do, 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 do. Edging ever closer to the finale. Yeah, I, we are. Yeah, I think we've got two more after this. I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's next time? Fragments and then the finale. Exit wounds. I think it's called. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, fragments and it. Yeah, cool. So we're nearly there, dude. So we're drift. The coming to the end now of series two. This was first broadcast back on the nineteenth of March two thousand and eight. Ran for 50 minutes, this one. Mm. Mm. It was written by Chris Chibnall. Oh, that name rings a bell. Directed by Mark Everest. Stars the usual hub team at this point for series two. And the synopsis is when a local teenager disappears, Gwen is drawn into an investigation that reveals a darker side of Torchwood. Hundreds of people have disappeared without a trace, but Jack is obstructing attempts to find them. The answer seems to lie in the rift literally and as gwen follows the trail she makes a shocking discovery Ooh. Ooh. Good that one so adrift buddy hit me with your and hit us with your thoughts yeah uh, i must admit i remember the next time trailer for this last last week thinking oh that don't look very good <laughs> and then <laughs> and then i saw chibnall's name come up written by chris chibnall and my heart sank i thought oh no because we've struggled a bit haven't we with series two it's been a bit hit and miss Mm. And um, I think now we're doing them every other week, though. I think I was saying this with what was the episode I really didn't like 
the one with Owen with the shell. And I was saying, because we'd had such a gap, I think I'd lost the momentum of the series and I was finding it hard going. But I think now we're doing them quite regular again, almost every other week. There is a bit of a flow to the series and I'm sort of getting back into it. But it feels to me like it's getting getting good again. Um, so, yeah, just as we get into the end of series two, I'm starting to sort of find my feet with Torchwood a bit. But, yeah, I saw Chidman's name come up and I thought, oh, no. Okay, I'm going to have to get through this. <laughs> well, it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, it was actually a good episode and um, and well, fairly well structured, I thought. Um, and the dialogue was quite good because there's some emotional stuff in this. And I wouldn't say I, you know, if you were saying who does write good emotional scenes, I certainly wouldn't say Chris Chibnall um, from some of the stuff in Doctor Who. So his dialogue is often really clunky and quite cringy. Uh, but um, in this, I have to say, uh, credit credit where credit's due, um, I think the scenes are really good. Um, there's some good relationship tension between Gwen and... Um, uh, why do I always forget his name? Owen? Reese? Yeah, I always, that's it. It's because it's Kai Owen. I always want to call him Owen. Yeah, Reese, uh, there's some great scenes between those two showing how, you know, her work's affecting... Uh, her life and how Gwen has changed since she joined Torchwood because we've got PC Andy back and uh, some good scenes between those two as well, where he's like saying, you've changed Gwen, you used to care about people. And I thought, yeah, this is good. You know, this is relating back to who she was at the start of the series. And it's been touched on a few times before, especially the relationship stuff with Reese. Um, but it's done in, it's done well in this episode. So um, yeah, hats off to Chibnall It's a, a good script. It, didn't go down the direction I was expecting, which is good. Because although I would have watched this back in nineteen, no, sorry, back in two thousand and eight, I didn't remember anything about it at all. I, this episode has been completely forgotten by me. So it was kind of like watching a new episode. And um, when the guy goes missing at the start, I was being a bit judgmental and I thought, here we go, typical Chris Chibnall, someone's gone missing, it's going to be something really boring, it won't be a monster or alien. There isn't really in this, it's um, it's just all about, it's got a heart to the story, it's just all about sort of people going missing and how it affects people and, it, and he writes it very well, I have to say, it. it's that, that subject matter is utilised really well. Didn't see the stuff coming with uh, the island with these people being sort of kept almost like animals really quite dark stuff actually and then of course jack pops up and i'm like what you know you kind of get the feeling that jack is up to something because he just keeps telling her to shut it down gwen shut it down <laughs> so you kind of know jack's up to something um yeah i just I, I found it a good watch but the thing that really makes it for me is, is the cast in this now We'll have to excuse poor old Ben Gorman. He gets about one line, literally. I kept thinking, where's Owen? And he, and he gets to come and sit around the table with him in one scene. And I think he says one line and then we don't see him again. And I thought it's a really easy day on set for Burn. He must have loved it when he got the script. Um, <laughs> and poor old Tosh is confined, uh, chained to the computer as usual. But um, but Gwen Cooper, uh, Eve Miles as Gwen and uh and Barrowman is Jack and that, but particularly Eve Miles give a superb performance in this, as does um Ruth Jones, uh who, you know, we sort of know from Little Britain and Gavin and Stacey. She's often playing the comedy roles, but she gives a very nice performance in this, especially when she sees her son in you know, when she goes to see him at the end and he's all aged and he looks horrific and she looks properly horrified, I have to say. I don't know if they 
just didn't show her the guy before she went in the room. But her acting's superb because it's <laughs> it's one of those scenes that's very easy to overdo. Like walk in, look shocked, scream, "You're not my son!" It's so easy to get scenes like that wrong. But believe me, um, but she does it perfectly. She really looks like just um, disturbed in that. Yeah. Like she can't yeah. c- can't uh, comprehend that that's her son. So n- lovely performance, for Ruth Jones. And I think that's what makes this. It's a a decent st- a script, an interesting story it has a few little twists and turns and um the cast for me just were really on board with this one the cast that are in it it, it mainly centers on gwen um but she's excellent in it and so's uh kai owen as reese you know the, the guys that get the, the, the meat of the bones of the script really get hold of it and they do a good really good job so yeah pleasant surprise this one i enjoyed it thought it was very good hmm hmm yeah, quite dark. Good, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did get to the end of think, ah, oh, typical Torchwoods. It's it's a bit bleak, but uh, but it was a good, yeah, good story. I thought. Yeah, yeah nice. hats off, Chibbers. Okay, okay. My thoughts are similar to yours, dude. I really like this one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Really to like this one. It's really strange because um, I think it's the only Torchwood episode in certainly series two that doesn't deal with any kind of alien stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? This could be a cop show. <laughs> Watching this one, this would literally, this could be uh, like Cardiff Cops. And Gwen is part of some special unit. She's not just a standard copper. And mm. she's investigating uh, disappearances and so on. Because the only thing, like, say, for example, if you took Tosh out of the picture, and um, Owen's not in it anyway, <laughs> if you took Tosh out the picture so you don't have her banging on about the rift, really, this could just be one of those Channel 4 um, dramas where, you know, the unexplained, but not in a paranormal occult way, it's just, a, you know, people are mysteriously going missing and they end up at this mental hospital, you know, aged and stuff. And it's a bit of a, we'll let the viewer try and figure out what was the mystery sort of thing. So it was, mm. it was really... Um, you could see it was a very risky move, I would say, by Chibbers to do that, because on one hand you you would have expected the uh, the other people who were overseeing it, i.e. Russell T Davis and Julie Gardner. You would have because Chibbers was co-producer on this as well, so oh, he right, probably yeah. had buy-in from those guys anyway, saying, "Look, I've got this idea for a script, but there's no aliens in it, and there's nothing weird." or science fiction going on. But we can mention the rift, you know, it's all good. And they were probably like, okay, let's run with it. So it's a bit of a risk because you may have had viewers thinking, well, like I did, but not in a negative way, but some viewers might have viewed it as a negative way, that there wasn't any torchwoody stuff going on. Mm. However, it does then lend itself very well to a really well-written character performance, you know? Mm. So like you were saying, Eve Miles... She has a belter in this one. She's very, oh, she's very good. Brilliant in it, yeah. Really good, yeah. John Barrowman's pretty good as well. He's playing that. I've I know something. <laughs> um, he's playing that kind of because I think, unless I'm mistaken, the whole uh, vibe that he put out is gone now. Where he was very much, I'm po- I'm pointing a pistol at you. You need to drop the weapon now and. <laughs> get down leave it run you know all that stuff 
that we had in the early part of season two, <laughs> I think is behind us now. He seems to have centred himself into a lot more uh, of an inward performance, if that makes sense. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say with that? With it toned down a bit, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, I mean, Jack, there are scenes in this where you're like, Jack is, is such a bleep. <laughs> like, what a... <laughs> you know the way he does it but that but it, it's got to be like that because he's trying to because of the story and the fact he's trying to cover up all this stuff um but there are scenes where you're like oh don't be a bleep jack you know but he does play it well i have to say yeah he doesn't uh, i just he's not particularly likable in the story is he even no. though he's kind of doing it for the right reasons he's you know um he probably could have made his, his life easier if he did just explain a few things like why doesn't he tell Gwen about the scream, for example, like when, you know, cause the first question I would have said is, well, why are they locked up? I mean, I get they're disfigured and they've been through some stuff, but is that reason enough to lock them up and have their families worry? All he had to say was, well, there's that. And there's also this. Oh, all right then. But he doesn't, he doesn't explain any of that really. I mean, no, again, exactly. it's, it's, yeah. it's a plot device. Cause obviously you've got to have that shock ending and, and it works quite well, but, um, it does make Jack look a bit of a D-I-C-K a at times. Yeah. 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 But he play, he plays that quite well, though, I think is the point I'm trying to make, because we, kn- yes. we know that he's hiding something. Mm. And we also know that based on Gwen's reaction and some of the other people there, especially um, Yanto, they both know that he knows exactly what she's talking about. But for his own reasons, he wants her to leave it alone. And I think it's kind of, uh, it's like a personal mission of Jack's, I suppose, that he's taken it upon himself to take responsibility of these people that have been affected by the rift. Mm. And the only way he can do that is to put them on this isolated island and fortunately just leave them there. There's nothing else that they can do because they're, the, the problems with them are so severe that a standard hospital or a mental institution can't help them because of they've this is like otherworldly stuff that they've witnessed and everything so it's driven them to the point of madness where mm. you can't just put them in a local hospital they wouldn't do anything so the only place to put them is somewhere where no one's going to find them really so yeah it's um but it's cool that he plays it that way and he's not just doing the shouty thing throughout the whole episode uh, he does get a little bit short with Gwen a couple of times, doesn't he? He tries to force her to stop the investigation. He's like, shut, shut it, down. it down. Shut it down. <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have yeah. all that stuff. And, not, uh, not in 10 minutes. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Leave this alone, Gwen. <laughs> now. But she's strong, though. I, I love it when she stands she up to Jack. I was going to say, I think out of all the Torchwood team, Gwen's the only one that can really handle Jack, isn't she? She really like he just doesn't. You can, and again, he plays it well because it's in his face, isn't it? He's like, she's not going to take no for an answer. I just give in, yeah. and I just I love that she really stands up to Jack, especially in the prison when she's like, "Open that door." <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't imagine sort of Tosh, for example, really doing that, or um, even Owen. I think I think Gwen's just got that extra. She Jack just cannot handle her really. She's she's too strong, and I love that. I love the scenes when they're together and. You know, the sort of conflict. They both play off each other very well, I have to say, in this one. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. But she's cool, though. It's cool when... 
because the majority of interactions between just Gwen and Jack have yeah, unfortunately yeah. been flirty and stuff. But she's always had this element of not taking any nonsense from him. And in this one, you can really see that where there's no hesitation from her. He's like ordering her basically, look, you, you're not doing this anymore. You need to shut it down. And she's like, I can't. And then she tries to go about it a slightly different way. She's like, okay, look, Tasha's got her experiments, you know, Yanto's got his stuff. This is going to be my own project. You know, I'm not expecting Torchwood to jump in and stuff. I'll handle it. And even then he's like, no, it's not going to happen. So she has to put her foot down a bit. And it's kind of sad in a way because there's no real positive outcome to anything. It's kind no, of that's sad. That's what I mean. The ending is bleak. That's tortured, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I did think that. Yeah, there's it is no, bleak. There's no happy ending. Even the mum at the at the end, uh, Ruth Jones. Um, she even she's quite harsh to Gwen, isn't she? She's like, I, I wanted answers and you gave them to me, but you shouldn't have. I've, I was better off not knowing and all that. And I'm thinking, God, poor old Gwen. She's tried her best and she's just getting it from all angles now. Yeah, she's getting it from Reese. She's getting it from the mum. She's getting it from Jack. <laughs> well, I think that's because she probably thought that finding the missing people was was the outcome. Mm. Like you find the missing person, you reunite reunite them with their family. Thumbs up, everybody's happy. Yeah, but I don't think, and this is probably why. I guess this leads into why Jack didn't want her to to push this. Because you, he, you almost imagine him on the other side of the wall going, told you, Gwen, yeah, at the end of that scene. Because <laughs> yeah, he knows, doesn't he, that there's no happy ending to finding yeah. these people. It's just they, they're beyond help. Mm. And uh, But, you know, she's stubborn. She pushes and pushes. And it doesn't help, really. There's a nice scene between PC Andy, who's back in this one, with PC Andy and, and Gwen, where he's he's essentially saying to her, look, you're a bit of a snob now. Now that you're part of Torchwood, you don't care about the everyday missing people of Cardiff. You just want to deal yeah. with like the elite stuff that's going on. You deal with like the big stuff, you know, you leave all this stuff to us. And she, at first I think she tries to laugh it off and she has a play and stuff. But then I think it really affects her because then there's that, when she does start looking into it and she's getting nowhere, there's that really heartbreaking scene where she's out for a picnic, isn't she, with... um. Reese. with Reese, and he kicks off man like rightly he so does. because yeah. you know they're married now and they're he wants to consider their future and at least talk about it and stuff and she just shoots him down man she's like mm-hmm. it's never gonna happen like i work for torchwood i can't be having kids and all that lot and he really lets her have it i think he's i think the line he says is i really effing hate you at times mm-hmm. and so they end up you know not talking to each other a few days and stuff and then it's really nice, actually, those two, because I think we've said it a couple of times that their performances are re- like so Kai Owen and Eve Miles, when they're together, even when they're fighting or if they're making up or if just whatever, their performances are really believable. So there's they're that very bit believable where, couple, yeah. Yeah. So when he blows up at her like that, you can 100% understand why he's doing it. So credit to Chris Gibner on this one with the writing you can see why he's blown up at her. Mm. And then you can also see from her point of view why she's doing that, why she's all short and short-tempered with him because it's the f- one of the one of those times where she knows exactly what she wants to do and why she has to do it, but she's being shut down and it's frustrating. And so she takes it out on him, which we do from time to time with her other halves, you know, that's just 
you know, it happens from time to time. But then later on, fast forward, where he's come in from somewhere and she's got dinner ready and stuff. And then she just breaks down and he then realizes like, you know, oh crap, you know, something's really wrong. So then he puts on the supportive husband thing and shoulder to cry on literally and stuff. And then they're back to, you know, the nice, happy, or at least trying to be happy, <laughs> happy couple, which is great. So those things on their own are great. Eve Miles's performance is great. John Barrowman's not too bad in it. Um, let's also talk about Mr. Sneaky, old Yanto. Yeah, naughty old Yanto. He Give could have that got, GPS device. Yeah. He could have got his ass kicked for that. Jack would yeah, well, not have probably been. did. <laughs> he probably did yeah, yeah. it's yeah. uh but it was really cool though because and the way i say sneaky as well is that there's that scene isn't there where him and jack and they get a little bit um frisky a little bit fruity uh there <laughs> and, and gwen gwen accidentally go uh, walks in on them but the and this is what's cool about gareth david lloyd is that in in some episodes he has the ability to really switch on a good performance when he wants to <laughs> unfortunately for him his character as we've spoken about many times, he gets relegated to quote unquote Alfred in the Batcave. Yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. Quite a few times where he just brings the coffee, he brings the, the folder of paperwork for them, for those guys, and then he goes off and does whatever he does. Uh, when he gets caught, he's got this kind of look on his face, hasn't he, where he's not really ashamed. And he's at the same time, he's not really, you know, he's a bit shocked more than anything. And uh, when he overhears Gwen and Jack arguing about it, even though Jack made the usual 100% predictable thing, like, why don't you join us sort of thing. Oh, I know. It's, <laughs> it's so cringe. Usual Jack stuff, yeah. Uh, but Yanto's got this look on his face. He's got that, yeah, I know what this is about. I can't tell you because I'll get in trouble. <laughs> but, you know. And then later on, he leaves that package for her with the GPS thing. And even then, like when he's on the phone, he's like, yep. Oh, that, well, no, no. Right, I've got to go. Anyway, see you. Have a good day, sort of thing. Yanto is really good in this one. He's got that real cheekiness to him where he's underhanded. He's like, yeah, I'll help you out. Don't tell Jack, obviously. Goes about saying. Hmm. But then he's got that running around after Jack, cheeky little face. Yeah, I like Yanto in this one. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, he does handle the sort of lighter comedy scenes quite well, uh, Gareth David Lloyd. Yeah, just adds that little bit of fun to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, indeed. Cool. <laughs> um, but you're right about um, Ben Gorman, though. And the reason for that <laughs> is because I found out, did a bit of research, and it was, uh, a, this story was done in its own production block, uh, which was... Um, filmed at the same time as block five, if that makes sense. So it had its own block for production, which was block seven, apparently. And then block five was the episodes from out of the rain, which we reviewed and the next one fragments. All right. So for some reason, there must be a reason for that. I'm not quite sure, but anyway, that would explain why Bern Gorman's not in it basically because filming at the exact same time as this was from out of the rain, which was in a lot and Fragments, which I assume he's in a lot more for that one. Oh, it's, so, it's a bit like a sort of Dr. Light episode, is it? Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're literally... They're, they're too busy well, doing other things. Yeah, just the schedule for the filming blocks, basically. There wasn't physically enough time for him to film loads of stuff in this episode and the other two which were being filmed back to back. 
at the I same did. time as this one. So it wasn't back like when Hartnell just used to go on holiday. <laughs> and we would ask in and scratching our heads like, where's the doctor at this point? We haven't seen him in a whole episode just because William Hartnell decided to go off. Uh, it was literally just a filming schedule, production blocky thing. Yeah. But and I mean, I, I, I don't it, mind though. it when they, yeah, they sort of very much centered this around one character being Gwen. And um, I don't mind it when they do that now and again, because it, it works quite well as a sort of a, a Gwen focused episode, doesn't it? Yeah. So it is a Gwen, I don't mind so much. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I think that's the, um, the the whole reason why I think this was used actually is because sometimes they do have a bit of a moral direction they want to go in with the writing with who that we've experienced it a lot, haven't we, with Jodie's era, where we have this kind of, um, you know, back in the day in the in the eighties and the early nineties with cartoons. There was a few of them, like He-Man and Brave Star, and some other ones. That at the end of the cartoon, they used to say, "In this episode, we learnt that Orko was really scared of something, but mm. as you know, friends make all the difference. So treat your friends well, and all that stuff." Yeah. Um, in the in recent uh, couple of years with Doctor Who, it has felt like that a little bit, where the Doctor, where they had this kind of moral, not obligation, but you know, they're writing stuff that sitting alongside this you know outlandish science fiction stuff that's going on they have mm. this very real world earthy kind of undertone and the doctor plays into that and says you guys can make a difference with your planet you know you just have to <laughs> remember that stuff i do yeah we had it a few times i think sometimes doctor who and torture does have that thing going on where it it focuses on something because i think uh, Chibbers did say that this episode obviously deals with loss. That's the main thing. It's the idea of of, of loss and stuff. And um, he wanted to write a story about just the everyday person that goes missing all the time that nobody knows about. Nobody, because nobody knows about, nobody cares about. Hmm. So I think they try to focus on that and go back to what I was saying earlier about this being a very non-alien-esque typical torchwood story i think those performances have they had absolutely had to have been on point and bang on because there's no action really going on there's no chasing down aliens there's nothing like that so all you've got left is those character progression pieces like progressing that relationship at least the work relationship between gwen and jack the mm. relationship between jack and yanto which is now getting fruity as we said um, and the relationship between Gwen and Reese. So um, I would say that out of all of Chibber's stuff, this is up there with some of the best, really, because some of the Doctor Who episodes that he's written, not great. No, it, it, he's plotted it out be better in this, hasn't he? Like, he's obviously got the, the theme he wants to get across, but it doesn't feel sort of... Um hammered home you get the message without it being too much in your face and also he deals with the uh the characters well so like you said about the, the stuff between uh reese and gwen it's quite relatable which um i think we've said a few times quite often chris Tibble doesn't seem to be able to write relatable characters he doesn't seem to delve deep enough you know the characters aren't fully formed um but in this the dialogue and stuff as i said is, is well written it does does feel quite relatable that argument that they're having um, the dilemma that Gwen's put in of 
finding out the answers and trying to decide whether she, you know, what she should do from then, you know, you sort of put yourself in that position. And I think you get invested in the story because you're like, oh yeah, what's she going to do? Is she going to, she going to take her to the Island? Oh, she is, you know, so you, it's, he does deal with the, the ideas is the script very well. I think it's quite well plotted out, which, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to say doesn't always seem to be the case with uh, some of the stuff he's done for Doctor Who, but he def- definitely, and this seems to have, it's got a good sort of start and f- middle and finish, if you like. It doesn't feel like, it's not clunky like some of the stuff uh, we've come to expect from, you know, like Cyberwoman. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so yeah, it's, but there's, there's a lot of stuff in this I think is quite relatable, which helps to draw you into the story. You can put yourself in that dilemma and, and uh, it's quite an interesting sort of dilemma to put yourself in, you know. So it's an interesting story in that sense, isn't it? What would I do if I found out that Jack was doing this? Would I tell everybody or would I just let it let it be, you know? So, mm. yeah. Yeah, and the ending's very good as well in terms of, although it's a sad ending and it's very bleak because there's no, at the moment anyway, there's no uh, obvious help for these people. It it does kind of reinforce, like you said, it has a, a good beginning and a good a good uh, finish up couple of scenes where I think it's um, uh, it kind of lets people know the more human side of what happens when these things finish because with previous stories we're tortured up to this point. We've seen Torchwood save the day, obviously numerous times, but we don't see what happens to the people affected by it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So although we have that kind of junction of alien-esque stuff going on and 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 Torchwood, other than, yeah, I suppose you could call him human still, Jack, um, and, you know, <laughs> that stuff. Uh, the ending is very, very relatable and human to anyone that's lost anybody and stuff like that it's um it really closes it out in a you know it might not be the happiest of endings but i think it reinforces that human aspect because pc andy throughout the story he's kind of reing he's the character whether we know it or not at face value that you know the way he's been written is very he's he's struggling um basically with these missing people and he can only do so much as a standard on the beat uh, police, like policeman, right? So mm. um, that's why he reaches out to Gwen in the first place. He's like, look, I know you guys. Because I think he assumes that Gwen knows exactly what's going on anyway. The opening he does, scenes. doesn't he? Because he's seen Jack in the footage, yeah. Yeah, which really shocks Gwen. That's a good bit, actually, when, when yeah, she sees him. Bit, yeah. Yeah. So the, the PC Andy character throughout the story is kind of bringing us back down to earth. So when it starts to get to that point where... Tosh is looking into the rift and they are, are we going down the road of like some aliens come through the rift and snatch people and they're going to go and chase the alien, the PC Andy and the, and the, the stuff that it, the scenes he has with Gwen and also uh, with Nikki by Ruth Jones, those things really bring us back down to, to earth literally. And mm-hmm. and there's a scene where um, Gwen and, and Andy go to this, um, uh, this meeting that Nikki's put together. So all the other people that have been affected by family members or friends who have gone missing, they can all get together and talk about it and relate and stuff like that. Those things actually happen. You know, these are real like police people that are frustrated that they can't do more. And people that have had people go missing in their lives who want, and you know, they either set up a Facebook 
group or they do these physical in-person meetings and stuff. This is all like real stuff that mm. happens like day in and week and week out um, everywhere, really. So it, that really brings you down. But I think um, going back to the ending, the scene that you mentioned where Nikki's going through um, his room, Jonah's room, and she's it's that's heartbreaking in a way. Yeah. Because it must be so difficult to, well, I guess there are, there were two outcomes really, wasn't there? Somebody was either going to come to her and say, we found Jonah, but we haven't found him. If that makes sense, we found his remains. He's dead. And that's one sense of closure (laughs) or the other one is, you know, what happens in this. Um, And that's the other sense of closure. But I think, she starts packing up all of his stuff, doesn't she? And boxing it all up and taking everything out of his room. And as if he's died, you know, because she knows that he's never going to come back and live with her and do all that stuff. So he may as well be dead, I suppose. And the way she puts it to Gwen is like, before I met you, I had hope. And that was what was keeping me going sort of thing. That That made me drive forward to watch all of these any type of crowd footage that she got from events around Cardiff and stuff. She used to watch him frame by frame and try and spot him and stuff like that. But then when she knows the truth, that's it. He might as well have, he might as well be dead. So, you know, I'm going to pack up all of his stuff and then she breaks down and it's just heartbreaking, but it really drives home the, 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 what it's like to be human and be involved in Torchwood at the end, you know? So the ending is bleak, but it's, uh, but it's not Gwen turning to the camera and, and delivering some part of her <laughs> no, message. No. What 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 he's managed to do in this story is actually tell is actually to tell those home truths through the characters, isn't he? Yes. So that's yeah. it's not something that he does that successfully sometimes, but in this one, uh Chimnals, yeah, he's used the characters to tell the story and it, and he's done it well. You know, uh, like you said, you the character played by Ruth Jones, Nikki. You know, the, the heartbreak at seeing her son like that. It's, it's all there on screen without her having to sort of turn to the viewer and say, I'm horrified what's happened to my son. You know, it's, it's all done in the in the writing and the delivery. Uh, it, it does remind me of it. I, I kept thinking of the guy from The Goonies. That's the only problem. Oh, Sloth. Yeah. Sloth. I just kept thinking of him, poor guy. But this thing about screaming for 20 hours as well, it's kind of lucky that to scream nonstop for 20 hours and he leaves four hours in a day, it's... <laughs> Very lucky that they managed to get there both times in that four-hour window uh, before the scream. <laughs> That's just horrific, scream. man. I mean, yeah. I must admit, I don't know why I did this, but I I cracked up laughing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I can't explain it. But at first, I thought it was horrific. So when the doctor's trying to usher them out, it's like, this. he's in a good phase at the minute, but this is yeah. not going to last. He's going to go off in a minute sort of thing. <laughs> Um, and when he started screaming that horrific scream and the actor's face, I mean, he played that really well. He was the old um, Robert Pugh who played the older Jonah. Uh, yeah. I, I assume he's not screaming at the top of his, destroying his vocal cords. Well, no, For, apparently he was because oh. it says in the, um, yeah, no, he, so they did alter, they put some effects on it, but they, they weren't, yeah. they were going to get him just to open his mouth and act and they were going to overdub a like an alien scream on and apparently the actor said well let me let me have a go let me do one and just see what it's like 
God. So we actually did, and they ended up using that take apparently, but they sort of did add some effects on. Yeah. So it's like it is. I think where does where did I see that? It is his real scream, and he did scream his guts out. Right, right. <laughs> but then Bloody and then they hell. added on a few effects, but they weren't gonna. Apparently, they were just gonna dub it on, so he didn't have to do that. But he wanted to do it, which probably makes it more realistic because if you're gonna scream, you've got to have the the face would give it away, wouldn't it? If it's just you know, if you're just pretending to scream. Uh, you wouldn't have that angst that he's got even <laughs> under the prosthetics, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um. So when he first started screaming, I was like, "Oh wow, that's that's terrible. That's yeah. quite horrific." But then it goes on for quite a while, and then afterwards, oh, I just okay. started cracking up. Like I don't know why. <laughs> I just laughed at how long the scream was going on for, and the actor's face. Because in my mind, I was thinking, like his eyes are welling up and they're going bloodshot, and mm. you know he's. I, I thought that he was, you know, screaming, but not at the top of his lungs, you know, doing his vocal cords. I thought he was doing it, but he was more doing the face uh, sort of thing. So I just thought uh, the actor's probably thinking in his head, well, somebody bloody shout cut, cut. any minute. <laughs> yeah. I need a drink or something. <laughs> so that made me laugh. I don't know why, but it's not funny. Let me just, uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it yet, that's not a funny scene at all. That's just me being weird as usual. My brain does that, but uh, yeah, that was a really cool. What did you think about? Because that the uh, the actual premise of that was another really good bit of writing from Chibbers. Where I mean, if you're going to distress somebody to the point where they do that, then go all in. So he did with the whole mm. the rift sort of plucked him out of you know out of reality in a way, and po- and plopped him on a planet that was burning in fire, uh, essentially looking into the the heart of a dying star i mean that is like that's the only real bit of science fiction that's in the story really mm, um yeah. but it sounds bloody awesome though it's a real cool um sort of thing <laughs> to have witnessed and you can absolutely see why he's you know he's gone do lally <laughs> yeah yeah totally there is yeah. a myth to this story dude unconfirmed oh, a myth yeah unconfirmed myth that the rift plonked uh jonah at the uh at the final moments of the last great time war Oh. And the man that rescued him, that Jonah said he was rescued by somebody, was in fact the doctor. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I quite like back. that. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I quite like that idea. Unconfirmed. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. I like it when we have these sort of theories, but they don't need to be confirmed. Just leave it out there. <laughs> Those of us that want to believe it can believe it. Yes. Those of us yeah. that don't, don't. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool, though. I like that idea. Hmm. I've got nothing else on my notes, dude. I thought this was a, yeah, a, a really good, because last, I, you know, there was a few people that tweeted to say, bloody hell, Gary, it's not that bad. So after the last Torchwood episode that we watched <laughs> oh, yeah. throughout the rain, which I really, really didn't, didn't like, like it, did it? No. at all. I think this was a really cool sort of pick up back to, um, to a decent standard for me. So that's all I've got to say on this one. Have you got any more things you want to say on the notes, dude? Uh, no, just the music again. I thought um, Nick Foster, or was it Ben? Sorry, Ben Foster uh, did a great <laughs> job. I thought the music was really good in this. Some really creepy stuff. Um, you know, when we when we get to the uh, place where they're keeping them all, and um, yeah, the music really added to some of the tension in in the scenes as well. So good music in it. Uh, loved seeing PC Andy back. I thought um, there's good fun chemistry between him and Gwen uh the actors seemed to get on well as well so that I, it was good to see him back and it also gave us a reminder of you know what Gwen used to be a police officer so that was quite cool mm. bringing it 
full circle. And uh, the only other thing I've got in my notes, and I just wondered if you could confirm this, would the Doctor Who experience have been around at this time, or was this before that? I'm guessing this is before that, but because yeah. I swear when Gwen first gets on the boat, I swear I spotted it in the background. I freeze-framed it. There's this big blue funny-shaped building behind her when she's on the boat. And I thought, that's the Doctor Who experience. I'm sure it is. But it could just be the building. I don't know if they built the building especially for the experience or if the building was there and they adapted it. I don't know. But next time you watch it, dude, when she gets on the boat, you know when she leaves poor old PC Andy behind, she tells him to go and get coffee, and then the next scene is the boat drifting off, and she's like, I'm sorry, I've got to do this on my own or whatever. Just look behind her and tell me if that's the Doctor Who experience. Okay, yeah, because they did build that. Or if it's just a big blue building that looks like it. Yeah, they did build that specially, that building. Oh, okay. Might not be then, might not be. Yeah, so that opened in 2012 in Cardiff. Oh, right. No, this is 2008. A few years before, yeah. Oh, well, next time you see it, have a look. Mm. It looks scary. It looks scary. I freeze-framed it. I thought, it does look like it. Mm. But no, it can't be, can it? Probably just a similar building then. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a bespoke special build. 99% 99% sure, dude, but yeah. All right. Well, next time, have a look. You'll see what I mean. You you can't miss it. Still a nice location, though. Anything around uh, Cardiff Bay and stuff is very cool. Yeah, every time I watch it, uh, anything around there, I just want to go back. Uh, that's the other thing I did like about the story, actually. It's the other uh, sort of thing I've got on my notes is the locations. Because, um, you know, it, it can get a bit boring when you keep seeing the same, they use the same locations. And it's nice that we got um, a few different ones in this, like the, what they call those barrier, that bridge of all the barriers on it at the beginning what are they called the water buffers oh they yeah yeah, yeah and the yeah. lighthouse um as well was really gorgeous and you know the island that they visit it's just good to get a few new places in there and i thought the location work was really good mm. yeah that yes. island that they visit which is called flat home mm. which is just off of cardiff the coast of cardiff um that was in fact for about 10 12 years maybe longer that was used as an isolated hospital Oh, was it? Oh, good yeah. grief. Mm. Wow. Okay. I was about to say it's a it's the perfect location for what they needed, but, um, well, it really was then. Wow. Bleak. <laughs> but it, it totally look, it looks great on screen. really works, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. All right, dude, I think it's you to go first. Yeah, it's me to go first. Um, I'm just I'm just pausing because I've written 7.5, but I think it's one of the better episodes. I'm tempted to go up to an 8. It, well, I think because of the performances, I'm going to give this an 8 because I, I really do think um, Gwen is absolutely superb in this. So I'm mm. going to give it an 8 out of 10. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm snap on that one with you. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm an 8 as well. I think it's just the performances, really. Uh, it's it's a heartwarming but heartbreaking story at the same time mm. and i have to give credit to chibbles we we do bash him a lot on this program yeah, yeah, you know, know. Yeah. more so for the doctor who stuff but um to give him some credit i think this is a really really well written story the script was really good but it's more so the performances more than anything so uh, for me eve miles and ruth jones steal the show for me mm-hmm. and uh the other Torchwood peeps, not really much going on from them. John Barrowman is, is pretty good. I think he had a, a decent, more sort of inverted performance rather than that sort of very extroverted, going crazy sort of stuff. So 
What about PC Andy? Did you like PC Andy? I, I did. Yeah, I thought he was a yeah. little bit of a bit of a beep at times with Gwen. <laughs> you know, there was a <laughs> yeah. there was a couple of times when they're on the phone and you know she's clearly busy or she's you know looking he's into it. He's got the hots for her, and he? he's got the hots. Oh yeah, that plays into it. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. of times where he's like, "I'll just sod off then." He's got that kind of vibe with her, and she's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, whatever. So, but yeah, he's all right. It's nice to see PC Andy. Yeah, he's pretty good. I, I just remembered, actually, that there was a good scene with them when they go to the the meeting. You know, Gwen, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. the, the mum set up the hall. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, you think no one's going to arrive, don't you? You think, oh, it's just going to be there, and then all these people turn up. It was a good scene as well. Yes. Again, I was just thinking, yeah, it's just going to be them. It's going to be played for laughs, a comedy scene of it's just us, isn't it, sort of thing. So that was a good scene as well. Indeedy, yeah. Yes. Rightio. So an eight from him then, an eight from me. Yeah. Uh, pretty decent scores for that one. What did our listeners think though? We had a few in on the audio reviews as usual, our regulars. Ooh. And um, uh, we had uh, a few in on Twitter, none on Facebook this week. But uh, if you guys are listening to the show and thinking, I'd like to be heard on the show, then absolutely do that. Every week we, um, we tell you, so we put a tweet out on a Monday and it tells you what episode, and we also say at the end of each episode, we tell you what episode we're going to review next week. Just record your audio review, do it on your phone, do it in whatever you like. Email it over to us at um, the address is hello at bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. Email it over and we will play it on the show. So if you've listened for a while and you thought, actually, yeah, I've got some thoughts on Doctor Who or Tortured or whatever, then send us your audio reviews in. So thank you very much to our you regulars, as, I, as I've labelled them now. Uh, so we are going to kick off with the first one, which is Joe Turner. Adrift is a fantastic piece of television. It is one of my favourite tortured episodes and one of the best of series two. I love how the entire episode is focused on Gwen, and it allows us to explore another side of Gwen's character that often gets glossed over. Throughout series one and two, especially series one, Gwen's character is rather selfish and self-centred, yet in a drift she's compassionate, empathetic and desperate to help others, something that doesn't always get shown in other episodes. The story itself is very interesting. It explores the grief associated with missing people in an incredibly mature manner. It's definitely a very emotional episode, and I love how Jack finally receives a reality check, realising that sometimes even Jack Hartness is wrong, and it's a strong performance of emails that solidifies this. Ruth Jones as Nikki is great, and it's a really bleak ending. I mean, that scene with Jonah screaming is absolutely horrific, and you understand the terror he has endured as a result of the rift. Lastly, this episode is one that solidifies Ruth and Gwen's relationship, and I do feel sorry for Gwen at the end, as all she tried to do was help Nikki, yet ultimately the pain of seeing her son like that destroys her. A traumatic episode with lots of highs and lows. I'm going to give this episode a 9 out of 10. Thank you. A 9. A 9. Very strong score from Joe there, yeah. Yeah, it's a good score. And you're right, it does solidify a lot more the Gwen and, and Reese relationship, for sure. Mm. Yes. Nice one, Joe. A 9 out of 10. Uh, moving on, this is Neil Campbell. What about you fellas? How's it going? So, Torchwood Adrift. I think this is a really harrowing story. And... I mean, I'll cut straight to the ending. It was something that I don't think anybody really expected, to be honest. And that scream from Juna, who's obviously been disfigured because of what's happened. I mean, terrible, really, isn't it? But even the whole build up to that, you know, just sort of having that false hope and then getting the hope 
and then it being yanked away from you. It, it like it's terrible. Um, but there was a, a couple of nice touching scenes, you know, whenever the like friends and family of people that had gone missing, you know, a, a, appeared at, you know, the wee meeting and stuff. And um, yeah, like just having Andy back in the story was good. You know, him and Gwen working together and stuff. I like the scenes with Gwen and Reese. Reese is an absolute legend. And even that scene where he loses it with her, you know, down at the park, you know, he really puts her in her place. Um, like straight away, like, you know, with Jack's reaction about, you know, shutting it down, you knew straight away something was up, but, you know, deep down he has tried to do his best about it, like, but terrible, terrible, but quite a deep story. I think all in, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Cheers. Another 8. That's Another good. Another 8, indeed, yeah. Yeah, you make some good points. Legend. Yeah, Reese is an absolute legend. Yeah, you make some good points there. Uh, Neil, it's um, it's a harrowing story, but... um. Yeah, it, it does it does progress those uh, characters to a point where we could see it coming, I guess. Um, uh, we don't want to see Gwen flirting with Jack all the time. We need to progress, you know, her and Reese. And, and you're right, he is a legend, so carry on. Yeah, and I think it's, it's good it's got PC Andy in it. It does, because it is bleak, and it does need that mm. sort of humour from his character in it, I think, to lighten it up a bit in places. Yeah, yeah, yeah defo. And this episode's very Welsh as well, isn't it? Yeah. What I mean by that is because the other Torchwood members are not in it that much, and Jack's obviously American. Um, it's Canadian. Yeah, whatever. Whatever, yeah. yeah. So Gwen, well, he's Scottish-American, isn't he? Um, but he's, for the sake of audio, he's American. But um, yeah, so Gwen, PC Andy, and Nikki, like full-on Welsh accent. So it's very, uh, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Anyway, an eight from Neil. Moving on. This is TARDISNet66. I've always felt Chris Chibnall's torture episodes are very strong and much better than any of his Doctor Who episodes, and this episode is by far his best episode and the best thing he's written for the Hooniverse. And more than that, I think it's the best standalone torture episode in the first two series, before it took the long form story format. If it's the focus on Gwen and her fight for justice, with a lot of time with PC Andy as well, and with a compelling mystery, and with an emotional centre spending a lot of time on the victims and showing Jonah's mum and her suffering and pain without her son, not knowing where he is. But the truth of seeing her son older than her when he has been through so much terror and pain ruins her. The story is pessimistic and dark, but with reality, and puts Gwen and Jack both into question in their viewpoints, and puts them both in dilemma, as their actions have consequences. But I do wish Yanto was more involved, and some of the dialogue with Jonah was clearer in places. I'd give it a 9 out of 10. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Mm, nine. Wowzers. With a nine, yeah, from TN. Yeah, it's a good score. It's um, yeah, you're right. It does it does kind of focus on the consequences of their actions uh, as they do these things, and I think that's probably why Jack didn't want Gwen to pursue it. I guess because he knew yeah. that the uh, the the consequence of of that would be pretty pretty harrowing and horrific, which Nikki ended up experiencing. I guess so. But yeah, it's weird, isn't it, to say, you know, that you enjoyed something so bleak and harrowing, but that's TV for you. Yeah, it's you good. It. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say if it's done well, if it's handled right, um yeah. it can be good. Yeah, and entertaining. Mm. And also just wanna say that when you do have episodes and stories like this that are written really well and the performances are really good, there's no way that you could sit on the fence and be indifferent. 
because <laughs> even yeah. if you didn't enjoy the the like uh, TN said the experience uh, the consequence of what was happening or witnessing what was happening to these people at least you experienced something you weren't just sitting there thinking well I don't enjoy or dislike this this is just meh um, mm. which is exactly what uh, not just tortured but Doctor Who it needs you know it needs that you need to experience something whether it's horrific like this or you know happy and enjoyable whatever but yeah, it anyway, needs to draw yeah. you in, doesn't it? It needs to be engaging. Otherwise, you just switch off. Like Absolutely, yeah. You just grab yeah. your phone and start looking at Twitter and stuff, and that's not good. That's, that's a good point, actually. I don't think I looked at my phone at all during this. I genuinely don't think I did, which is, yeah, says it all, really. Yeah. Last audio review from Dan under Sammy Satine. Hey, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, adrift, get out the tissues. This is the most heartbreaking sci-fi thing Chibnall has written. Nikki's son Jonah gets taken by the rift. Nikki, like all other parents of missing children, wants her son back. Unfortunately, as her son was taken by the rift, he is scarred, damaged, aged and needs care. It's mature and confronting, perhaps one of the best examples of Torchwood's remit. Best to have the tissues out. Nikki really was better off not knowing. Eight parents of missing kids out of ten. See ya. Thank you eight very much, Sammy. And eight, yeah. So, yeah. And eight, yeah, confronting and mature, mm. says Sammy, yeah. Uh, which is indeed correct, yeah. It is Torchwood's uh, remit, I suppose, to handle the more mature stuff that you wouldn't see in Doctor Who. But, mm. uh, yeah, don't be too down, Sammy. You're over, we're over that now. We're on to the next, uh, on to the next thing now. So, um, yeah, but thank you very much for your, for your review and your score, which was an eight, which is good. Uh, we didn't have any on Facebook. We had a few on Twitter, though. So Doctor Who Home said this is a story that gets the balance right because it's adult without going OTT with gore or swearing like series one. Mm, it's yeah. a heartbreaking story with lots of chilling moments. One of the best in the entire run. Although I don't know why Jack never came clean. Maybe a rewatch is due. Mm. Mm. Jordan Shortman, one of our writers, says this is one of my fave Torchwood stories. Eve Miles puts in an amazing performance and the... Nessa actress <laughs> is fantastic mm. here too. It's a story that explores the horrors of space and time travel, not the fun side we normally see. Uh, this is one of Torchwood's finest hours. Mm. Chippy T says, Eve Miles gives a great performance here. You can see why she has worked across a whole range of Who programs. Dark, somber, and a touch disturbing. Great story, this one, an eight from me. And one of our other writers, Maria, she says, hold the front page. Chris Chibnall wrote a gem and it's terrific. Uh, great performances all round. Gwen being the heart of the series uh, is turned on its head as she discovers some hard truths. Yeah. Uh, no villains, just an emotional story. And where Torchwood was aiming for over two series. Cool. Absolutely right, Maria. Thank you very much. Yes. So, uh, I think generally a well-received episode. This one we scored yeah. pretty, pretty well. Um, eights and nines so really good one so anyone that's uh coming up to torchwood this is a nice isolated one actually if you've not watched torchwood before there's no exposition here there's no you don't have to have watched anything else to get what's going on this is just an isolated nice little i say nice it's an isolated good um intriguing watch so if you've not watched torchwood before then you can give this one a go quite safely it's um it's all good in that respect uh, right, dude. Um, before we get on to what we're going to review next, I just want to let um, you guys know that there is no episode next week. I'm away on my holly bobs, 
And so we're going to postpone for a week so there'll be no episode next week, which would normally go out on Friday the 27th of August. That's not going to happen. So our next episode will be Friday the 3rd of September. And for that week, for that episode, dude, what we're going to look at. Yeah, so actually we were talking about him earlier, weren't we? The fifth Doctor. So we are going to be watching his first story, Castrovalva. And uh, so, yeah, we'll be reviewing that, Castrovalva. Castrovalva. So this leads on nicely to, if you were around when we did our Tom Baker month back in April, then we watched uh, Full Circle all the way through to the end of his run and finished up uh, the end of April with Legopolis. So this picks up nicely from (laughs) there. Which is good. I can I can already hear the music. <laughs> Funky, seventies sounding guitar. Yeah, cool. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think we'll wrap there, dude. Let's stick a pin in it there for episode three twenty one. Indeedy. Thank you, thank you for coming back and listening to the Big Blue Box podcast for another week. It's been great to have you listening to the show. As always, if this is the first time that you've listened to our show, then welcome aboard the TARDIS. It's great to have you here. Uh, We'd love you as a follower on our show. So whatever podcast app you listen to your podcast on, give us a a follow so you won't miss a show when it lands every Friday. And if you're coming back, if you're a regular, then welcome back. It's good to have you here as well. Next week, sorry, not next week, uh, in two weeks' time, as Adam said, we're going to review the fifth Doctor story, Castrovalva. So get your get your DVDs uh, out and get that watched or fire up BritBox because we'll be asking for your your reviews and your thoughts as always. And as I said, if you want to sending an audio review, that's completely fine. We love it when you guys sending your audio reviews. Just uh, get it recorded however you like. On your phone is usually the best bet. You can record. Uh, I think any smartphone now you can record uh, a short review. So keep it up to a minute maximum if possible and then email it over to us the address is hello at bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk and we'll play it out on the show and thank you so much to our um, reviewers who have sent in audio clips this week as well thank you very much and those of you that uh, jumped on twitter so cash reveal the next time is going to be good so just a reminder no show next week it'll be the week after that we are back uh, head over to the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our reps over there for free as well plus you can link off to the social channels we're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook give us a like and a follow on those we chat Doctor Who throughout the week and we have a free Discord server as well there's a link on the website come and sign up to that and chat Doctor Who about lots of different things to do with Doctor Who so there are various channels to get stuck into uh, we have modern Doctor Who, we have classic Doctor Who, we have big finish, we have collectibles and merchandise, uh, we have events and convention chat as well, uh, memes, your collections, users posing their, uh, posting their collections, loads of cool stuff to come and get involved over there. Also, remember to check out my uh, co-host channel over on YouTube. It is, of course, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, indeed. Go and have a look at my videos and, uh, yeah, all on YouTube and, of course, the socials. Oh, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. Under the same name, roll. The Geek's Handbag. Indeed. Until next time then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, a... A... Lonzy. Lonzy. Lonzy.